We are uh, jumping back into the book of Ephesians. We've been uh, working through this book over the last few years, I think, and we uh, kind of jump in and jump out of it from time to time. And uh, we've ended up on the section dealing with relationships between husbands and wives and parents and kids and employers and employees and are going to be working through that for the next little uh, season. And we end up on, uh, today we're going to talk about who's the boss of marriage. Just what we've always, always wanted, right? Doesn't always, anybody think that's going to solve all the problems if we know who the boss is? Well, uh, we're going to talk about uh, that today in Ephesians. And so, uh, God, we just pray for your grace over this time. I uh, pray that you would teach us. We pray you give us a heart to want to know you and your word. And uh, God, I would just pray for yeah, just a special grace over this time as we deal with a sensitive topic today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let me read this whole text. We're going to be working on this over the next few weeks. Uh, this message is going to be quite theological, and we're going to work as we go through this more uh, towards application in the next couple of weeks. Here's our text. Uh, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your, yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless." In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does for the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And out of that whole complicated passage, and it is quite complicated, by the way. I mean, sometimes we can read this passage and say, oh, it's just simple. Uh, this is not a simple passage at all. And so we're going to start with the most simple verse, uh, one of the most cute, cuddly, cozy verses that everybody puts above their bed, and that is this one. Uh, Wives, submit to yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord, right? <laughs> This text, when I read this, wives submit to yourself to your husbands, no doubt is going to have all kinds of different emotional reactions in us. Uh, some of you here might be saying, you know, I, I think this is beautiful. Uh, this is the way we carry out our marriage, you might say, and I think it's a beautiful thing. Some of you men might be saying, you know, this is a beautiful thing. And others of you might have a lot of pain around this because you've had this verse uh, used against you as maybe your husband has tried to control or manipulate you and say, you know, if you're a good wife, you just submit and has tried to push this on you. Uh, sometimes there's a lot of pain around this verse. And we know there's a lot of pain around this verse because, uh, sadly, books have been written like this. Uh, years ago, um, this book called Battled in, uh, Battered into Submission was written. And it's sad in the Christian church that books even need to be written like this. But the book is talking about, in Christian marriages, uh, story after story after story of how husbands have taken this verse 
and have battered and abused their wives through it. Uh, Studies have shown that 18% of Christian wives report abuse of some sort by their husbands, and about 5% suffer physical abuse. These these are Christian marriages. Uh, And it's just, that's not kingdom, by the way. (laughs) This shouldn't ever be uh, even a cent in a Christian marriage. Uh, But sadly, it's common. Uh, 18% of uh, Christian marriages have emotional abuse. And often, when they look into this, part of the the stem, part of the root, is uh, someone taking this verse, wives submit to your husband, and and using that to control and to push uh, their wife down. In fact, men in more conservative denominations with traditional views of marriage are more likely to abuse their wives. And the problem is, uh, when you kind of go ultra-conservative or become like a fundamentalist or more of a Pharisee, often what happens is rules replace relationship. Or your love for rules becomes more important than your love for your spouse. And so when something's not going well with your spouse, you stick to your rules. You don't stick to your spouse, you stick to your rules because you are uh, justified through your rules and, and your beliefs rather than through Jesus Christ. And so we're going to talk about this difficult verse, and uh, kind of work our way through it. I I tried to find this cartoon because it was in a Christian magazine years ago. I couldn't find it. Uh, But it was a cartoon of Paul uh, coming. He's in a boat, and he's landing on the shores of Ephesus. And the Ephesians are where he wrote this letter, Wives, Submit to Your Husbands. He's landing on, on the shore, and there's all these women with protest signs standing there, and some go, you know, equal rights for women, and, you know, Paul is a male chauvinist pig, and, and there's this huge protest going on, and, and Paul comes in, and he arrives, and he says, ha ha, I see you got my letter, <laughs> talking about, you know, his letter to his wives. And when we, from our culture, we kind of read this text, and we might have that feeling. But the reality is that cartoon got it completely wrong. The wives would not have been protesting Paul. They would have actually been celebrating Paul. If anyone was going to be protesting, it would be the men. What Paul says here is absolutely revolutionary. And the reason we don't quite get it is because we tend to read this book through our culture. Uh, This book wasn't primarily written to our culture. It was written in the New Testament almost 2,000 years ago to that culture, and that's where you need to begin when you read some of these texts. And it's really important that you understand the culture of the day so that when you read this text, you realize what Paul is getting at. And we'll talk more about the history of this passage next week. Uh, But in uh, around the time of Jesus in the Second Temple period, uh, women really didn't have any rights. You know, we might complain today about equal rights of women that don't get paid as much as men, and it's still an issue today. It is, but back then, it was, it was a million times worse. I mean, you look at Jewish society, uh, here it was a daily first century rabbinical prayer uh, that men would pray every day. Uh, Thank God that I'm not a Gentile, a woman, or a slave. This is just part of the culture, uh, that you didn't usually talk to women outside of the home on the street, and, and, and they couldn't uh, testify in court. I mean, they, just, they didn't have any rights. And it was worse even in the Greek world because the book of Ephesians wasn't writ- written to a Jewish culture. It was written to the people in Ephesus who were Greeks. In the Greek world, it was even worse. I mean, Aristotle, who was a Greek philosopher who had a lot of influence on the Greek culture, said this, as regards, uh, as regards the sexes, 
The male is by nature superior and the male inferior. The male ruler and the female subject. Uh, New Testament scholar Klein Snodgrass, uh, isn't that the best name for a scholar? Snodgrass? <laughs> I've heard him speak before. He's, uh, he's awesome. But he says this, this sum, summarizing the culture. By and large, women were viewed as inferior and were given relatively little freedom. If they were allowed to live at birth, if they were allowed to live at birth, women, women were minimally educated, could not be witnesses in a court of law, could not adopt children or make a contract, could not own property or inherit, and were viewed as both uh, Aristotle and Josephus said, in all respects to be inferior to a man. They were seen as less intelligent, less moral, the source of sin, and a continual temptation. Typically, women lived in one part of the house and men lived in another. In many cases, they did not even eat meals together. When girls married, usually about 15 or 16, they were expected to take the religion of their husbands. They were either under their fathers, their husbands, or some other relative's authority all of their lives. Uh, I mean, this is, the way that, this is just the way it was. And so this is where we got to start when we read this letter. And what we're going to see here is this is absolutely revolutionary. Again, if there was anybody who's going to be protesting Paul, it would be by far, it would be the men. Because this is where he picks up this text. And by the way, this is the next verse we jump into. He says this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now just picture that. In a world where men had all the authority, women had none, where women always had to submit no matter what, even if they were right or wrong, they just had to submit. Whether the husband was right or wrong, the wife had to submit. And Paul says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another in the church. Husbands, submit to your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. Parents, to your kids. Kids, to your parents. Employees, to employers. In fact, this is what Paul is going to be going through in this text. Submit to one another. Now, now what does it mean to submit? What does this mean? Uh, the Greek word actually means to arrange under. It means to arrange your life under someone else's. Uh, we could define that word biblically through Ephesians 2.3. This is what it means. Uh, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. That is submitting. Submission is to value someone else above yourself. Mark 10 is a beautiful picture of this verse of submission. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, it is to have a heart that I want to serve rather than be served. And Paul says this in this culture where the classes were like this and the sexes were like this in terms of where they stood. And Paul says, I want people to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I mean, that is revolutionary uh, when it comes to this text. Now, context is important with this verse because sometimes people take this verse, submit to one another, and they just kind of write it off. Uh, but it's actually connected in two ways. By the way, the original Bibles, the original text, didn't have chapter headings, didn't have verses. It was much easier to see things in context. But this verse is actually connected. It's, there's no periods. This is the same paragraph in the Greek. It's connected with being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
One of the ways you know you are growing in Christ, one of the ways that you know that you are experiencing a deeper work of the Holy Spirit is you find yourself more and more willing to submit to those around you. Uh, Other people, you're willing to come under someone else's authority in church, you're willing to come under someone else's authority and just humbly serve. Uh, So it says this, be filled with the Spirit, and here's all the results of being filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing and worship, we've talked about that. Uh, Sing and make music from your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks. Uh, Thanksgiving is a sign of the filling of the Holy Spirit in your life. And then he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The submitting wives to husbands, husbands to wives, employees to employers, us to each other, is a sign of growing in the Holy Spirit. And this is important, especially in leadership in the church. When we're, we are looking for leaders, we want to find people who are, saying, who are willing, even if they're amazing, are willing to allow themselves to live under authority. Uh, because it's a sign that the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. So, so the context is the filling of the Holy Spirit, but also the context is relationships. And this is part of the problem with many of our Bibles who add like headings like this because it splits it up. The NIV and New Living Translation put it with marriage. And therefore, we might disconnect it from being filled with the Holy Spirit. But it's connected with being filled with the Holy Spirit. Other translations, like the ESV and New King James and others, stick it with being filled with the Holy Spirit, but separate it from marriage. And so people see, well, it has to do with filling the Holy Spirit, but this has nothing to do with my marriage. And we are raised in a generation, and for years in the Christian church, this verse Submit yourselves to each other out of reverence for Christ has been separated from the marriage text. And it's in context of both. There, there is no division in the Greek between, between these sections. And so context is super important. In fact, the, the, the way this whole text works is you're filled with the Holy Spirit. One of the results is you're willing to submit to one another. You're willing to consider others' needs ahead of your own. And this whole section is here's what it looks like. Here's how wives will do this for their husbands. Here's how husbands will submit to their wives. Here's how parents will submit to their kids. Here's how kids will submit to their parents. Here's how masters will submit to their slaves and slaves to their masters. And we'll talk about this. It's all an outpouring of how we submit to one another. Now, and so this text says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And we do this out of reverence for Christ. Not because we have to, but it's like, God, you have done so much for me. Uh, What can I do to repay you? And he says, well, one of the ways is I want you to submit to one another. God, uh, what can I do for all that you've done for me? God says, I want you to submit to your husband. Or husband, I want you to submit to your wife. It's out of reverence for Christ. Then it says this, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Now, we gotta ask some questions about this that we often miss. First question is, Why would Paul command wives to submit when they all were? (laughs) You you didn't have an option in those cultures. You submitted. It's just just the way it was. You were forced to submit. Uh, It would be like, why would you, like if your kids were doing the dishes, they're working hard at doing the dishes, and they're in the middle of doing dishes, why would you say do the dishes when they're already doing the dishes? So why would Paul tell wives, submit to your husbands when they were already doing it? Well, part of the answer is he switches this as you do to the Lord. 
This wasn't something that you do for your husband necessarily. It is something you do for, for God. This is to be out of your relationship with God. You were a new creation in Christ. Uh, this is not something forced upon you. This is something you willingly do out of your relationship with God. Now, we also get asked this question. He says, submit to one another, which in a marriage means wives submit to husbands, husbands submit to wives. So then why does he specifically say wives? It's going to be like, I had two people, Johnny and Joey, and I said, Johnny, give Joey an apple, and Joey, give Johnny an apple, and then I said, Joey, give Johnny an apple. That doesn't mean that Joey doesn't give an apple, if, if you catch that. Submit to one another, and then he says to the wife, submit, doesn't mean the husband doesn't submit. He just said, submit, you both to submit. So, so what is going on here? Now, another interesting point that, sadly, because the translator, uh, translators are trying to make sense out of this text, do you know the word submit is not even there in the Greek? It's not in verse 24 either. It, nowhere in Ephesians does it actually have this phrase, wives submit to your husband. It's not there in the Greek. They put that in there to make the sentence flow better because the idea is there, but it's actually not there in the Greek. It's, it's not. You can look high and it's just not there. This would be a more literal, literal translation of this text. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, wives to your own husbands as to the Lord. Which is kind of a weird sentence. That's why they stick the word submit in there. But the problem with this is when we tend to read it, we go, oh, wives submit to your husbands, and we miss husbands submitting to wives in the context of submit to one another. Because this whole text is basically saying this. Again, this is the flow of the text. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, and then it says wives to your own husbands. Uh, how do wives submit? You do this as to the Lord. They were already submitting, but now Paul's saying, I want you to do this for Jesus, not just for your husband. But then he says, this is how husbands are to submit. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The greater submission language is actually put on the husband in this text. Submit to one another. This is what it looks like for wives. This is what it looks like for husbands. And if you really look at this text well, and, and you will see that the greater language of submission is actually laid on the husband's. The word submit is actually not there in the Greek in this text. And again, this is saying you submit to one another, and he's saying a marriage should be husbands submitting to wives and wives submitting to their husbands. Now, some suggest that this idea here, because that word submit is not into the Greek, should be read like this. Uh, some scholars suggest this. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ just as, or for example, wives to their husbands. In other words, we are to submit to one another, and Paul says, just as wives are doing in your culture. Wives are an example of how I want everyone to submit to one another. In other words, not a command, because again, they're already doing it. Why would you command someone to do something they're already doing? It's an example. I want you to submit to one another just as wives are already doing in their culture. And uh, uh, one scholar said it this way, uh, stylistic and material reasons recommend the addition of e.g. in the English translations. E.g. communicates exactly what is indicated by the structure of the Greek sentence. The submitting of wives is, is an example of the same mutual submitting which is shown by the husband's love, the children's obedience, the parents' responsibility of their offspring, the slave and master's attitudes towards one another. Talking about the next section in Ephesians. And so it's not as simple as we think, this verse. 
<laughs> we just know what it, it, it can be a complicated verse. There's some questions, again, that we need to ask of it. Now, out of this text, we're going to find in the Christian community two sort of primary views of this text. And as a pastor, I always like to share sort of different views because uh, we want to learn about other views of Christians. We want to be unified as a church, and part of that is helping us understand different pos- positions. Uh, one of the primary views, and this is sort of the traditional uh, Christian view that probably a lot of you are familiar with, is this. Uh, wives are to submit to their husbands. Husbands are not to submit to their wives. It's sort of the, the more traditional view of this text. And uh, here's some points of this, this view. Paul's instruction to submit to one another does not mean all submit to all. <laughs> so when Paul says, I want you to submit to one another, they say, well, not, it doesn't really mean all. Just means some. But rather, some submit to others. In other words, it doesn't count uh, husbands to wives. Paul says, submit to one another, reverence for Christ, but this view would say, well, it doesn't mean that husbands submit. This is only for wives and for other people, but not, not a marriage. They would say submission is only one way. Uh, they would point out that husbands are never told to submit to their wives in Scripture, that they would say that phrase is never in there. Well, it's actually not in Ephesians either. Uh, Male headship, they would say, is part of God's timeless design for creation. So since the beginning, this view would say that male are supposed to lead and to rule and wives are to submit. And so this is kind of the traditional view that maybe many of you are familiar with. The other view that a lot of Christians hold to, who love Jesus and a lot of scholars hold to, I personally lean more to this position, and that is this, that wives and husbands are called to submit to each other in exactly the same way. They would point out that verse 22 through 33 should not be read apart from verse 21. That is, submit to one another is the heading for relationships. The other view says that has nothing to do with relationships. So whether you include it or not is kind of the difference. This view would say the husband has no greater responsibility to lead his wife than the wife does to lead her husband. Uh, This view would say sex-based hierarchy has no place in the gospel, and that leadership is about giftedness, not gender. And so a marriage in this view would not say, well, the husband is the the head and the wife submits, so the husband has to lead everything. This view would say, well, who's good at what? Uh, Maybe the wife is good at doing money. Okay, you lead that part, and maybe the husband's good at organizing, so you do that part, and they work together, not based on gender, but on giftedness. Now, Which view you end up with here has a lot to do with which text you highlight in your mind. What text you see kind of as preeminent, what text you kind of look to first. Because there are Christians who love Jesus, there are scholars who are bang on with God and are super smart, there are scholars I love on both sides of this issue. And I know there's people in this church on both sides of this issue. But whether we land on one or the other, has a lot to do with which text you start with. Uh, this view, where wives must submit, tend to start with some of these. And, and by the way, I'm way oversimplifying this, okay? <laughs> You're going to say, well, what about this? What, well, yeah, what about this and that? Because there's no way I can do this in one message. I just said it's going to be more theological, <laughs> this, but hopefully it's going to get you hungry to study more on your own. But uh, this view will tend to start with these. Again, Ephesians 5.22, wives Submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do the Lord. Colossians, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. First Peter 3, wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Uh, they will look at this verse. 
uh, and book of Genesis, why they will say in that since the beginning of creation, God has made men to lead and women to submit. Uh, they'll, they'll point out this text, that the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper, that's the wife, suitable for him. In other words, they say the wife plays a more of a, a submissive role, a kind of a servant role. Uh, but the problem with this is this word helper in the Hebrew is actually most often used of God. And so if you think this means the wife should submit to you, this means that you're saying that God should submit to you as well. Because uh, it's actually often used of God. In fact, here's the, the Hebrew idea of this word. Uh, the usage of the Hebrew term does not suggest a subordinate role, a connotation which English helper can have. Part of this is just our own English word. In the Bible, God is frequently described as the helper, the one who does for us what we cannot do for ourselves, the one who meets our needs. In this context, the word seems to express the idea of an indispensable companion. The woman would supply what the man was lacking in the design of creation, and logically it would follow that the man would supply what she was lacking. And so uh, this word is just often used of God. Now, the mutual submission view will begin in different spots. We'll highlight different texts. One of the texts they will highlight is, again, we've already done this today, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And in context, it's right before the section on marriage. Submit to one another. Mutual submission. Uh, this view will highlight Genesis. It, it will go right back to the very beginning and say that you cannot find before the fall, you cannot find any idea, any hint of male lead wife submit before the, before the fall. Uh, this view will point to this text. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Both were created in the image of God. Both were made to be one, not one above the other. Both were made to be one. The wife was taken out of the side, not in the front, not in the back, so one leads, not the other, to the side. This idea of walking together. Male and female who created them. God blessed them and said to them, that's what he says to both, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. He says to both, rule over it. He didn't just say this to the man. Man, you rule and wife submit and this is how it's going. Both rule. He says to them, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Uh, this view say from the beginning of creation, there was this idea of oneness. Uh, being the side of each other, this idea of, of walking hand in hand and ruling together. Uh, mutual submission view and the other view, we'll, we'll argue over this text a little bit. This is after mankind sinned. And God kind of lays out the curse. Uh, this is now what's going to be life for you people. And women are going to have pain and childbirth and men are going to have weeds in their garden and all those kinds of things. He says this to the woman, your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Now, those who say husbands rule, wives submit, or husbands lead, wives submit, will say that this curse is actually a template for marriage. That women are going to be desiring their husband, and he will rule over him, so this is how marriage is to be. That it says right here that he's going to rule over him, so the husband needs to rule the home, and the wife is kind of to be the helper uh, but the problem with this is that this was the result of the curse. Both of these words are not positive. They're actually negative words. 
The word desire is just used later when he says to Cain, sin has a desire to get you. It has the idea to capture or manipulate. And this idea of rule, it has the idea of dominate, like a forceful, forceful, tyrannical kind of rule. And this is the result of the curse. This is what happens as a result of the fall. We see this in marriage. Men, because they're stronger, tend to want to be kind of dominant and kind of domineer the woman and control the woman through his strength. And women, the word desire is, is often more, has to manipulate because they can't physically, you know, move their husband out of the way. They kind of get in there manipulate a little bit. This is a result of the curse. This isn't a template for marriage. Jesus came to reverse the curse. Uh, he came to redeem us, to bring us back to Eden, to bring us back to God's ideal, which is not husband rule and, and wife, you know, manipulate. We, we run for that. We run to the kingdom, which is God says, I want you to rule together. Be fruitful and multiply and rule together. Uh, we see this idea in the New Testament. <laughs> Sometimes we miss these texts. Again, which view you hold depends on which verses you highlight, right? 1 Corinthians 7, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife. Uh, I like that verse, yeah. <laughs> and likewise, uh, the wife to her husband. Now, now look what it says here. Catch this. Listen carefully. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other, perhaps, except perhaps by the husband's decision, because he rules. Mutual consent. The husband does not have authority over the wife's body. It's not, it's, Husband has authority of wife. Wife has authority of the husband by mutual consent. Again, this, this language is you see throughout the New, the New Testament of this idea of mutual submission, submitting to one another. And so we see this traced throughout the Scripture. Now, you might be saying, well, I just don't agree with this mutual submission thing. Maybe you've kind of grown up in the church or you just, you just kind of highlight other verses and you say, Jesse, I just don't agree with you on this mutual submission thing. You know what? I'm totally okay with that. Um... I'm totally okay with that because I realize people fall in different land in different positions. Marie and I, we set up our marriage more in a mutual submission way. Uh, I know others of you set it up differently. And I, I don't mind if you take a different opinion as long as, as long as your marriage looks like Jesus. As long as it looks like Jesus. As long as uh, there is this love that looks like Christ, and there's a servanthood flowing to each other. As long as you husbands, if you're like, I'm the leader, my wife submits, as long, okay, you take that position, okay, okay. As long as your example of leadership is Christ dying on the cross. Because sometimes men say, well, I'm the leader of my home, and Jesus rules the universe, and he's king over everything. That's my example. No, it's not. It's not. It says right here, Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. It doesn't say, husbands, love your wife just as he rules the universe with all his power. No, it doesn't say that. It says, you love your wife by looking at the cross and seeing how Jesus died sacrificially. Husbands, if you want to lead, that's your example. That's your example. So if you want to take that view, great, but that's your example. Uh, that's, that's the way you lead, which means you are going to be the very first person to apologize which means you're going to be the very first person to say, 
will you forgive me if you, if you want to leave? It means you've got to be the very first person to say, you know, something's not quite right. Let's work on this together. You've got, you got to take the lead in a submissive, uh, in the Christ dying on the cross kind of manner. I'm okay if you think husband lead, wife submit. Oh, I'm okay with that as long as you understand some other passages like Mark 10. This is when James and John said to Jesus, I want two amazing positions of authority by your right and your left. And when the other disciples heard this, they became indignant because what is this world about? What is the fallen world about? I want to rule. I want to rule over others. I want to have the power. I want to have others submit to me and serve me. That's kind of the way of this world. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. And sadly, too many marriages look like the pagan world rather than they do like kingdom. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Okay, you, you want to be the leader of home? Okay, be the slave of all. That's, that's what he's saying. For even the son of man, this is the example given in Ephesians for husbands, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Marriage is not about who gets rulership. It's not about who is the boss. And it's actually a shimmy dance down who can get lowest. You know, I want to serve you. It's not about me being served. I just want to, what can I do to bless you? And this needs to be flowing, flowing both ways. So I'm totally okay if you are like, kind of like the more traditional husband lead, wife submit. I'm okay with that as long as your marriage looks like this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with another, one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Again, the examples for husband, as you look to Jesus, okay, great, you want to lead... Have the same mindset. What is that? Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So you want to lead past your that's the way you lead. Now, I think it's better when it's mutual. Like, both people lead that way. Ha! <laughs> what a new idea, huh? When both people have authority over each other, and you mutually submit, and, and you walk this together, and when one's weak, the other's strengthened, and vice versa, and you walk out in strength this, this way. I just want to finish with this. And we'll talk more about this next week, because next week, we have another hard verse. Uh, just as Christ is head of the church, so the husband is the head of the wife. What does that mean? Well, i got to come back next week. Okay. <laughs> But in the kingdom, there, there's no forced submission. You look at the way Jesus lived. He never forced anybody to follow him. Submission is never to be forced. If you have to force submission, it's just not kingdom. There's something funky going on there. It's not kingdom. Uh, authority has a lot to do with the ability to give life. The more authority you have, the more you should be able to give life rather than take life from people. Uh, authority has to do with giving life. And so if you have to, have to demand someone submits or say, well, you know, the Bible says you submit, I mean, there's something just wrong there. And if you're today in a position or in a relationship where you find yourself 
being kind of coerced to, for, uh, to submit or pushed or, you know, this thing keeps getting shoved in your face. It is not loving for you and it's not loving for that person for you to, to just keep living that way. And you need to connect with somebody, uh, pray about it. You got to find ways to put some boundaries in or maybe make a separation for a bit until things can get figured out because that is not kingdom. Kingdom is when two people learn to love each other and sacrifice for each other when there's the heart and marriage that I'm not here to be served, but I'm here to serve. And so, Father, I just pray this over our marriages this morning. Whatever view one takes in here, I just pray that our marriages would be filled with love, that submission would never be forced, coerced, or even talked about, that it would be built on this ability to serve one another. So God, I pray blessing over our marriages. I pray for any marriage in here that is struggling, where there's abuse going on, or this verse is, this idea is used in the wrong way. God, we just push that out in the name of Jesus. And allow your love and your beauty to flow in. In Jesus' name, amen.